My name's Andy Potter. I'm the other minister here, and it is really good to be with you this morning. I don't know about you, uh, but one of the things that I am really struggling with at the moment is the uncertainty, the unknowns. How long are we going to have to live like this? What is going to happen next? When will we be safe? And will I ever be able to buy pasta or baked beans or flour or, or dettol ever again? I don't even know how to do supermarket shopping anymore. Feels like you now need a degree in geometry to plot your route from one end of the aisle to the other, whilst maintaining your two-meter distance and hoping that no one else moves or joins the aisle. In fact, I've decided that if it gets too much and I feel like I can't avoid anyone, I should just climb into my trolley, get into the fetal position and wait for everyone to go away. And of course, many of us face uncertainty when all of this eventually comes to an end. Will I still have a job? Will my life ever get back to normal? And actually, do I really want things to go back to the way they were before? When it comes down to it, most of us like certainty and predictability. We like to feel that we're in charge. That's why take back control was such a powerful political slogan. And then along comes this virus. And suddenly our illusions of control, of knowing, and of certainty are shattered. Next weekend is Easter. And if I'm honest, Easter is when I will most miss not being physically together as a church to lament, to mourn on Good Friday, and to celebrate on Easter Sunday. And yet I'm convinced that we need, that I need Easter more than ever this year. In these days of trying to make sense of this new way of being, in these days of living under the shadow of an unseen threat, and on all the uncertainty that that's brought, we desperately need to enter deeply into the Easter story. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul summarizes the gospel, the good news that he's been preaching, and he says that ultimately it all comes down to what happened at Easter. Christ died, he said. Christ was buried, Christ was raised, Christ appeared. That is the gospel, Paul says. That's what defines and gives shape to our faith. That's what defines and gives shape to our lives as followers of Jesus. And I'm convinced that ultimately it's this story of death and resurrection that will give us the perspective and the framework to live faithfully, to live well in the face of the uncertainties and the questions and the lack of control that we are all facing at this time. Christ has died. On the 6th of August, 1945, at 8.15am, a lone figure sat on the stone steps of the Sumitomo Bank in Hiroshima, Japan. Their right hand clutched a walking stick, and their left likely resting on their chest. Suddenly, in the blink of an eye, they were gone. Their body incinerated before they even knew what was happening. In their place was a shadow that served as a horrifying outline of their final moments spent lounging on the steps before the atomic bomb exploded above them. Their image, impregnated on a ruined wall, became known as the Hiroshima Shadow, a kind of visual epitaph to the 70,000 people that died instantaneously when the bomb went off. When the German theologian Heinrich Virgil gazed at that dim silhouette, 
the thought gripped him. Jesus Christ was there in the inferno with that person. What was done to him was done to Christ. The horror he had no time to experience, Jesus felt. Jesus was the central victim in Hiroshima. Isaiah puts it like this, surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. You see, the evil that we plan as individuals and as a society, the violence that we carry out, the good that we do not do, the suffering that we allow and inflict becomes Christ's suffering. We do not just do it to the one who is in front of us, but also to Christ. The things we do to the least of our brothers and sisters, we do to Jesus. But of course, that is also true of the evil and the suffering that is inflicted on us. Is it right to call COVID-19 a manifestation of evil? Well, I believe it is. If nothing else, it's a manifestation of death in the world today. And the truth is that once again, Jesus Christ is the central victim. As the statistics rise, he knows each victim, each passion. He feels each death. He feels the patient whose test is so tight they can hardly breathe. The loved one who can't visit. The one who seemingly dies alone. Jesus shares that suffering, that pain. And for those whose suffering takes a different shape in this season, our fear for the future our separation from loved ones, our grief for all that we've lost and miss at this time. Christ holds our suffering within his suffering. The cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate act of empathy, the ultimate act of identification. It is God in Christ standing with us in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our pain, in our sin and in our suffering. It is Christ standing with us, taking our burden on himself, taking the consequences of our sin on himself, taking our suffering on himself. On the cross, the loving heart of God is bared, laid bare for all of us to see and written across the whole scene, we hear the words, I love you. I love you this much. So when we say Christ has died, part of what we're expressing is the truth that all human suffering in all times and places has been suffered by the Son of God. And that all of our suffering, yours and mine, has been lifted up into the inner life of God. There is no suffering, no guilt, no shame, no loneliness, no hunger, no violence, no suffering that COVID-19 can bring that has not been bound up in the suffering of Christ. Stuart Blythe, a Baptist minister, puts it, the cross involves the silence of suffering, solidarity with broken humanity. But this suffering was not the final sound. He rose. In John's account of Easter Sunday, Jesus appears to the disciples when they were locked down, hiding for fear of their life, self-isolating as a group from all the dangers out there. The doors were locked, the shutters were down, and yet Christ came. As he comes to us at this time in our lockdown, he stood among them, offering them his peace, in the face of their fear and their not knowing and their disorientation. Easter is God's assault on death, the triumph of divine love. Death is defeated, not just dying, not just the physical state of being dead, but everything in this world that is anti-life, 
everything that takes away joy, everything that spoils and wrecks and takes away our dignity, everything that divides and separates us from God and from each other, our sin, our selfishness, our suffering, our fear, even this dreaded COVID-19, all of it is stripped of its power on the cross and in resurrection. And whilst we wait for and share in the working out of that victory in the world, the resurrection contains the promise that God meets us now in our place of suffering and offers us his peace. And part of what that means is that our suffering can be redemptive and healing. As Paul puts it, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I know from my own experience and from those I've pastored over the years that some of the deepest work that God does in our lives happens in the tough times, in the pain and the sadness, in the times when we are dislocated and disorientated, in times such as this. So let us be open to that. And so as Jesus enters Jerusalem at the beginning of his last week, knowing fully what lied ahead of him, so we enter into Holy Week, aware that on Friday a cross beckons, that on Sunday the tomb is empty. And perhaps our current situation actually offers us the opportunity to enter more fully into the Easter story to allow this story to do its work in us more fully, to draw us more wholly into the love of God, which is what this story is really about. To help you, I've prepared a short meditation for each day in the coming week. It takes us right the way through from John 18 and John 19, from the Garden of Gethsemane, through to Jesus' burial in the temple. It's available to download on the church website. And we're circulated with the weekly email. And do join me as I work through it this week. But as we finish, I'd like to share some words, some very wise words from Sam Wells. Sam was the vicar at St. Martin in the Fields in London. And he wrote this, or he preached this. What we don't know is daunting. But what we do know is beyond glory. The hardest part day to day is to keep our perspective wide. So we recall in the trials and challenges of each day that we are living on the broad canvas of eternity and that God created the world to be with us and will never leave us alone. If we live or die, we are in Christ. Everything changes except the thing that matters most. Everything changes except the thing that matters most. Christ has died. Christ was raised from the dead. And in love, Christ meets us in our suffering and in our pain. And I, for one, praise God for that. Thanks be to God. Amen.